0: Together, We've been working very hard on this. We put together an all-purpose, all-star graduation speech that is 100% guaranteed to position you for success in life. So pay attention because I think you just might learn something.
1: Administrators, faculty, brothers
2: and sisters,
1: nerds, jocks, it's time for you all to put down your phones and pick up the next generation of phones. They have a much, much better camera. Don't forget the people
0: that brought you to this place. I'm talking about the Uber drivers. They're the real heroes of today.
3: Never give up, unless it's hard. The world needs more dreamers,
4: and it also needs more Quiznos employees. Why does it take so long in Quiznos?
1: It's just a sandwich. 45 minutes is ridiculous. Don't compare yourselves To others, there's always going to be somebody who's richer, more successful, better looking. That person's me. (laughs) Next time you're at a concert,
0: wave your hands in the air like you just do care. Saying I need some me time is just another way of saying I don't want any
1: you time. Take a hint, Becky. I don't have a college degree, but I do have a yacht.
2: So I guess we're even even education. Who's the, who's the dummy now? I only paid 30 million for it, on credit.
0: I don't even have the money.
2: Oh, good morning, Storyline. Uh, Welcome to the gathering and congratulations to our graduating seniors, the class of 2022. Can we hear it for them? Wow. I know you guys, and uh, wow, we are so happy for you and surprised by some of you making it that far. So, I'm kidding, of course. So, along with the grad parties that kind of typifies this season, what really epitomizes this, is these graduation speeches, right? Like the commencement speech. And as a teacher now, uh, I will be finishing my 32nd year of teaching in a few days. Uh, Thank you. I know. So weird to start at 10 years old. It was so weird to start at 10. Anyways, I've heard more, that I've heard my share of graduation speeches, let's put it that way, okay? And they usually go something like, you know, you possess something of limitless value, your entire future is in front of you. Which, can I just point this out, okay, for all future graduate um, speakers? Uh, that is always true for everyone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> No matter what, but anyways, all right, anyway, so, but it seems like every one of these speeches makes this point somehow, like the whole world's at your fingertips, the future's yours, pursue your dreams, chase down your own happiness, that's what life's about. And, And as good as that sounds, I think the question it begs is one that every graduate really quickly can get sick of, which is, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Now don't get me wrong it's important to have plans that you're excited about right to to find something that you like to do and certainly there's nothing wrong with being happy but i fear um and and but i fear that we've come so far with trying to answer that question like what do you want to do that as we're struggling with it the answer to that question it dawns on us that wow it's really assuming that we know the answer to a much deeper question already, which is, what is worth wanting? What's worth wanting in the first place? So last summer, together, we were at the park, and we read through the book of Luke together. And we got such a positive response from everyone on that, that this summer, we've decided we're going to read through another biography of Jesus. We're going to read through the book of John together. And so, and I'm really excited about that. It's, um, uh, we ha- by the way, we're going to have copies available of the book of John on the hub out there. They're titled The, the Book of Life. And um, for those of us who've graduated to the next stage of life and need the large print edition, uh, those will be available next week, okay? Yes, so next week we'll have those. But and next, week we'll <laughs> next week we'll have more um, time to go into the historical background and the context uh, around the, uh, John and his gospel and how he wrote it and when he wrote it. And, um, but I think what is uh, worth wanting is really important when it comes to the, b- the book of John. It's really what he's writing about is what's worth wanting. Near the end, John actually tells us why he wrote the book. This is what he says. These accounts are recorded so that you might believe that Jesus is the liberating king, the son of God. Because when you put your trust in him, you will have life. According to John, what is really worth wanting is a particular kind of life that is cultivated and nurtured through trusting in the grace of God that is what is worth wanting, a particular kind of life that is cultivated and nurtured through trusting in the grace of God. Jesus was even more explicit about this, and John recorded this as well, when Jesus said this, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. And this abundant life I think, is in stark contrast to maybe some of the typical answers or suggestions that we hear for this question of what do you want to do? Uh, So like some of the typical, basically, let's just be honest. It's like make memories. It's make money. It's make my own way in the world, all of which could lead to a full life. They certainly will lead to a filled life. I'm just not so sure that they lead to a fulfilled life the abundant life which is why god in his wisdom and in his love for us is inviting us into another way which is really again this theme behind the book of john so jesus consistently invites his followers to serve to serve god and and that's a hard sell nowadays you don't hear many graduation speeches about that serving right It doesn't sound like uh, what I want to do. Probably doesn't sound like what you want to do. It reminds me of the two little brothers that are fighting over the last pancake, and and mom comes in and says to the older brother, who is only about five, hey, Jesus was a servant. What do you think Jesus would do? And the five-year-old looked at his little brother, grabbed the pancake, and he said, give me the pancake. He can be Jesus. (laughs) Now this mentality... This mentality in us starts very early in life.
1: I, you know, I like you when you give me cookies.
2: You like me when when I give you cookies, but you don't like me all the time? Yeah, no. Why?
1: Because I like you only love you to get cookies so, from me.
2: Oh, so... Only when I give you cookies do you like me.
1: Yeah.
4: Oh,
2: okay. I love you.
1: I, I, I love you too, but uh, uh, I like you all the time. Tell me what you
2: just said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's pretty cute. So cute. And so true. Right? We love God when he gives us the cookies. But when he asks something from us, that's another story. That's when we don't like him all the time, right? This invitation to serve is used almost 300 times in the Bible and at Storyline, I mean, I'll just be honest with you, I'm so conscious that the idea of serving, it can be so ruined, so off-putting that, you know, that we don't often use the term. Instead, we use the term participate, (laughs) right? Isn't that much nicer, right? There, there are so many ways and places to participate at Storyline, but don't be fooled. That's just code for serving, all right? It's just code. So this morning, with the graduation speech, still ringing in our ears. I want to look at Jesus' invitation to the abundant life through serving God or participating with God by asking, really, a second question, which is, what is the point of participation? What's the point of participation? So we've got kind of two questions running in the background this morning, right? What's worth wanting? What's worth wanting? And what is the point of participation? Or why is God inviting us to serve Him? Because if we don't understand the purpose of participation, why God has asked us to be involved in the process of making life work well for one another, of redeeming what is broken, of connecting what is dislocated, of reaching out to those who feel out of place, left behind, or excluded, we might make the tragic mistake of avoiding serving, uh, of avoiding participating with God. And that's the very thing worth wanting. That's the very thing worth wanting if we're going to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Now, there are many examples in the Bible of this command to serve, that go all the way back, even far into the Old Testament. One of them goes like this. And now, O oh Israel, that's what God called his people, his children. And now, O oh Israel, what does the Lord God ask of you but to walk in all his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? So, what is the purpose of serving God? Let, let's start with what it isn't. Um, there's a man named Paul. He's one of the first followers of Jesus. He becomes an apostle, and he wrote basically most of the New Testament, all right? And one of th- one, he was one of the first followers of Jesus, and he was sent by God to talk to all different kinds of people about God and the gospel of grace, okay? And um, he, he showed up in many towns throughout the Middle East uh, and um, the Mediterranean, Basically to say God has done everything required. God has already done everything required through Jesus to clear the way between us and God. All of us have access to a a loving relationship with God. There's no need to fear God's anger, God's exclusion, or God's judgment. Now this was a very big deal back then. I would argue it's a very big deal today. It was a revolutionary message in the ancient world because in ancient religions, and frankly in many contemporary religions, God is depicted as really angry. Like he is always upset about something. He's always upset with me about something. The entire polytheistic religions uh, of the ancient world, where there's many gods that represent many different parts and aspects of life, okay, okay the polytheistic religions of the ancient Greek and the ancient Roman world was basically based on this idea that the gods are constantly upset about something. And life is about gaining their favor, about appeasing them. So what you had to do to appease the gods was serve them. You had to serve these gods. Translation, you had to do something for them at their temple, or some ritual, or some ceremony, or some sacrifice, you had to do something for the gods, and then in return, they would do something for you. So religion was an arrangement. It was this, uh, an established, it established a conditional or a transactional relationship, a give-and-take relationship that we could have with the divine. And we read about this when you're in history class. Um, We see it in movies that are about the ancient world. Um, People offering uh, grain offering. Okay, so you uh, you offer a part of your crops to the god of rain. So that it'll rain more and you'll have more of a harvest. You slaughter a bull in the temple of Ares, which is the god of war, so that you win the battle. Or you sacrifice your firstborn to the goddess of fertility so that you would have even more children. So that's the world that that Jesus is in. That's the world that Paul, the Apostle Paul, goes out into. And so when Paul, he's a Jew and he's a follower of Jesus, he shows up in Athens, Greece. It's kind of like the headquarters for all the people who thought about this the most. Like what is religion? What is it for? How does it work? How do we appease the gods? And he takes the time to really understand how the Athenians thought about religion, if you will. He studies their ways, he studies their culture, he's very observant, he studies their religion. So he doesn't just show up and then just launch into whatever it is he has to say, what he thinks is important. He doesn't preach at them, he talks with them. It's quite, a, quite an idea. It's a conversation, imagine that. And he starts with where the Athenians are at, like figuratively and culturally, but also literally, like he literally goes physically to where they hang out. He befriends them and then he's invited by the Athenians to share what he thinks. And this is what he says. People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The world, I'm sorry, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Now, we've already said that the Bible and Jesus over and over again invites us to serve God. So what is Paul talking about here, right? What does he mean that God is not served by human hands? Well, which is it? I don't get it. Well, Paul and Jesus are thinking of serving in a way that we aren't. They're using the word in a way that doesn't at first resonate with us. Jesus actually uses a very peculiar analogy, in fact, later When he described what he means by serving This is what Jesus said No one can serve two masters Either you will hate the one and love the other Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other So far, okay, get it I'm following But then he throws in this line seemingly out of nowhere You cannot serve both God and money
4: You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champ, the end of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.
1: Serve somebody.
4: Well, it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody.
1: Serve somebody.
4: You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command, women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor and they may call you chief, but you're gonna have to serve somebody.
1: somebody.
4: Yes, you're gonna have to serve serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil and maybe the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve, serve. Well, you may be a state trooper, might be a young Turk, you might be the head of some big TV network, you may be rich or poor, and you may be blind or lame. You may be living in another country under a different name, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.
1: Serve somebody. Well, it
4: may be the devil maybe may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Or oh, you might live in a dome. You might own guns and you might even own tanks. You might be somebody's landlord and you might even own the banks. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You may know how to care. You might be somebody's mistress. Maybe somebody's hell, But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.
2: good now the class of 2022 has no idea who that song is by right (laughs) so i feel so bad for you guys so here's the point bob dylan in that song is making that he ripped off from jesus frankly and that is that we don't have a choice if we're going to serve we all have to serve somebody it does not matter where you're at in life high or low left or right in or out we have to serve somebody because we are not our own source of life. This is so obvious, it just seems like we shouldn't even have to th- talk about it or think about it. We are not our own source of life, and, but when we think we are our own source, and we start to serve ourselves as if we are our own source and our own goal, that's when life devolves. That's when life spins off its axis because we didn't create ourselves, We can't sustain ourselves. We need something from outside of ourselves to find, to secure our life. That's the subtext underneath the question that we ask every graduate, what are you gonna do? Here's what we really mean. What we really mean is, what are you going to do in order to create a life for yourself that satisfies yourself? My gosh, that's a lot of pressure. And even at 18, there is something in us that wonders, is that even possible? Is that worth wanting? So Jesus does something here that he he gets right down to the nitty-gritty, right down to the core of it, by asserting that we can't serve both God and money. It's kind of a way of saying both God and anything else. So here's maybe what we can do. Let's look at how we serve money. If we look at how we serve money, maybe we can get a clue as to how Jesus thinks we can serve a God who doesn't need anything. Okay, so how do we serve money? Do we iron it when it's wrinkled? Is that what we do? Do we color it in? When you find a dollar bill that's faded, you're like, oh, hand me the green crayon, let me color this in. Do we flatter money with praise because as this fragile ego? Is that how we serve money? In other words, do we serve money by doing things for it as if money needs something from us? We don't. We don't. Yet Jesus is saying you can serve money. And we all know that, yeah, you can serve money. So how is it? Okay, we don't serve it like that. Of course not. Why? Because, here's why, all right? Because money, like God, doesn't need me, I need it. Money, like God, doesn't need me, I need it. Yet Jesus insists we can serve money, so maybe it's helpful to think of it this way. How do we serve something that doesn't need us? How do we serve something that doesn't need anything from us? Well, if we wanna know how to serve God who doesn't need need us, again, let's look at what Jesus is comparing that to. How do we serve money? How do we serve money? How do we do that by seeking it by desiring it By highly valuing it we serve money when we do everything we can to get more of it That's what it looks like to serve money now why Why would we do that? Why would anyone want more money? Now, the answer seems so obvious that we've probably never even thought about it before. But this is the genius of Jesus because he's about to raise something that's universally subconscious up so we can see it. Because this is what he's trying to reveal to us. We all want more money because when we have money, catch this, the genius of Jesus, when we have money, it serves us. When we have money, it serves us. So here's the deal. The great truth about serving God, about participating in the way of Jesus, about making the way of Jesus a way of life is this. When we serve God by seeking Him, desiring Him, by doing everything we can to embody and extend more of Him and His grace into the world, He inevitably brings us together he knits us together into gracious communities. In other words, he is really serving us.
0: All gone. Earlier this month, Bruno Serrato walked into the nightmare that used to be his dream. <laughs> this is what's left of the White House restaurant in Anaheim, California.
3: There's the picture when my
0: mom was on it. The picture of mom, pretty much everything he loved was in this restaurant. Buon appetito. Enjoy your dinner. This is what it looked like before the electrical fire, during our first visit in 2010. That story was about this Italian immigrant who catered to the rich and famous.
4: Are you yeah.
0: Just so he could feed the down and out. Precious. Every day here at the local Boys and Girls Club, some of the poorest children in Anaheim had been eating from one of the most exclusive restaurants in town. At the time, Bruno was giving away more meals than he was selling, and he was going broke. Mortgage, I did a refinance the restaurant, too. And you refinanced your home? I refinanced my house also, yeah. How can you keep feeding these kids?
4: How can I stop?
0: And that devotion is what made this so devastating. This fire will destroy everything I work for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, just like we need to find a kitchen somewhere. Because we need to do the pasta for the children. Unfortunately, that mission was clearly over. Or so he thought. Until he got home, turned on his computer, and learned what happens sometimes when really bad things happen to really good people. He got thousands of messages online and hundreds more in person. Ah, All of them offers to pitch in.
3: Whatever I can do. Some kind of fundraisers. Any way we can help.
0: And with that, the man who started serving all those kids on his own was alone no more. We want to make sure that you rebuild that restaurant so you can continue to serve all these children. More than a dozen caterers and competitors offered Bruno their kitchens for free. And as a result, he didn't miss a single day feeding his favorite customers. Oh, yeah. I don't know. People have also donated money to help rebuild the restaurant. Is everything good? Do you think you'll ever look back on this and say, I'm actually glad that happened? I really think of that. You know when you say you give a love and you get 100 time back? Mm-hmm. I disagree. You get one million time back.
2: <laughs> Steve Hartman, on the road, in Anaheim. Did you catch what he said at the end? When you give, you get one million times back. This is how and why Jesus invites us to serve him, to participate with God. Because in giving us all the opportunity to give, he's really giving to us. We discover what we want to do with life because we discover what life is for. In the Old Testament of the Bible, The prophet Isaiah rocked the ancient world by describing the God of grace this way. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Let me translate that into how we're talking about it this morning. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who serves those who serve him. This is the difference between the God of Jesus and the gods of any other religion or the gods of anything in life that we can make a god out of. It's found right here. Other gods, whether it's Zeus or power, Aphrodite or romance or making money, they will kill us. When we fail them, and we will fail them at some point when we're no longer fast enough or rich enough or young enough or beautiful enough or smart enough, these gods quit paying off, and they will leave us high and dry, empty and alone. I think of it this way. All the other gods, all the other things in life besides God and his ways that we seek, that we desire, that we highly value are really like a bad boss, you ever had a really bad job, like a bad boss? We do what we're ordered because, hey, he's the boss. And the boss, these other things, these gods of control or success or popularity, they demand things from us, and as long as we fulfill those things, we get something from them in return. It's a conditional, it's a transactional relationship. But when we serve the God of grace who has no needs, we are, what we're doing is we're participating with God in his mission in, into the world. And we discover that the God of Jesus, we begin to see he's not a bad boss trying to get something from us. He's much more like a good doctor trying to give something to us. And we receive health from a good doctor. How do we do that? By participating with the doctor, by serving the doctor, by following the doctor's prescription, the doctor's regime. In, in a way and that is how we serve a doctor by allowing our doctor to serve us to give us health that is how we serve a God who does not need us and so that and what is God trying to give us He is trying to give us a different kind of life the abundant life this is the point of serving God the point of serving God is about of participation is about transformation the point of participation is about transformation changing what we want to do what we want to do with our life yesterday was lakeshore high school's graduation and i thought all the speeches were amazing but i thought one of the speeches was especially amazing and it was written by our very own Paul Emery. You saw him during our slideshow, and Paul is such an incredible young man. All of our graduates are spectacular people. Paul, um, we've used his artwork in the gatherings here before over the years. He's going to U of M, uh, to, to get a bachelor's degree in fine art or in art. It's an unbelievably gifted artist, um, but he's personally just such a beautiful example of what God wants to do in all of us when we participate with God. Paul really got involved in high school. He dove in, he participated, he served. And my goodness, did it transform him and his experience. Well, his speech, I think, says it better than I ever could. So I asked him if he would share his graduation speech with us this morning. Will you join me in welcoming Storyline's OWN and 2022 graduate Paul Emery? Oh, God,
3: God. Good morning, my people. I wanted to take to this podium because you are all so important to me, and I'd like to say goodbye one last time. I feel fortunate and grateful as I look back on my time here, but I have also had the experience of hating school for a long time, feeling apart from the whole. I liked my teachers, classmates, and the process of learning, but I hated having to wake up six every morning so I could go to a place that gave me stuff to work on late into the night. I hated feeling that I was disappointing someone by being too slow getting places or too slow getting things done. I still struggle with showing up on time and getting assignments done, but the way school makes me feel changed. My attitude towards school now is dictated not by the pain it brings, but by the joy. Something magical happens when another human acknowledges your presence and smiles while doing it. It feels like sunshine. I started saying hi to people, and they'd smile and say hi back. I'd ask their favorite color, and it was given to me. I realized no matter where you go, what circles you find yourself in, people are the same. It was like in the breakfast club. These groups that seemed so separate in my mind swirled together in one whole. They became my people. No matter what you feel when you see the white and the red, I'd like to remind you, no matter how tenuous your connection to this place may seem at first, it is there. You are a part of its people. I know this because I know you are a part of my people. A year ago, I watched the graduation of the class of 2021. I remember the reds and whites of their robes, the greens and smells of summer. Few moments like it are at once so wonderful and so sorrowful. I saw my friends on that stage. They were the people I learned with, sat with, ate with, ran with. Goodbyes are often like deaths because the most painful part of a death is that it is a goodbye. For those of you do not know, who do not know her, Ms. Lopez is one of our secretaries at Lakeshore and she has sent five children through these schools. I've eaten lunch with Ms. Lopez almost every day for the past three years. She's one of my closest friends. I remember I was with Ms. Lopez at lunch and she was talking about how she had just went went to a funeral. So I was like, oh, I'm sorry. She jumped into the role of devil's advocate. Nah, it was fun. What? Well, it's a bit morbid, but they have all those little things that you only see at funerals and they have the beautiful singing And you have to feel happy for the person, especially if their time in this world was getting pretty miserable, like in this case. They're in a better place now. I said, it was still sad for the people they left behind. It was like with their daughter, Sophie Grover. She's in a better place now, currently attending Michigan State University. (laughs) But I still missed her. I wish she was there, eating lunch with us. I've taken part in two musicals during my time at Lakeshore. When we started rehearsals in the auditorium for the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, it delighted me to no end to see that the stools that the little munchkins rolled around on still bore the names of those who used them, written in Sharpie on beige masking tape. Aurelia Davis, Will Bacon, Zoe Shaw, Abby Baker, and Sophie Grover. Each label was written in the handwriting of its owner. It was like my friends who had graduated were just around the corner and they might sit down once more to scoot across the stage to welcome Dorothy to Munchkin Land. In those chairs, their memory lived on. But towards the end of the production, the adhesive tape had grown weak from use. Sophie's name was falling off. I grabbed some more tape and I put it back on. I was struck by how finite and how delicate life is, how fleeting. College is usually better than high school but these things never take away from the raw emotion of having a connection you have held on to for so long, slip away. When you know someone, they become a part of you. Having them removed from you is like losing a leg. You realize what it meant to you, how it changed the way you experience life. You're like, oh, I'll just walk over there. And then you realize that you can't walk. In Ms. Sloan's writing, college writing class, My final research project was about fungi. I learned how a mushroom's root system, mycelium, grows and absorbs nutrients. It grows towards and finds things it needs, like food to decompose, other mycelial networks to fuse with, and plant roots. Grows towards them again and again. A flow of nutrients and information becomes faster and stronger. At Lakeshore, I have extended my roots into the soil and found things I need as powerfully as I thirst for water. Over time, I've grown toward these things that I need again and again. I need people. I need to run. I need exercise, the runner's high. I need wind in my hair. I need sun, moon, and starlight on my skin. I need the soul-centering rhythm, and I need to learn. The alarm in my ears at 6 a.m., the stress induced migraines, and society's eternal judging gaze still hurt, but I've been called back by the thrum in my veins I get when I consume information, and the eyes that smile back at me as I enter a classroom. During the graduation of the class in, of 2021, I listened to Nathan Marone, Abby Baker, and Grant Rose speak. I remember Grant's speech especially well. He said that being a part of Lakeshore is not a phase of your life that you grow out of. It stays with you. It is your origin story, an early chapter in the story of your life. It shapes you. Lakeshore is the people who smile at you in the hallway, the people you eat, learn, play, spend time with, a series of friendships and shared experiences. It is a mycelium a web of branching connections and relationships. Lakeshore is not the soil of this place, but the life that has been made possible because of it. I hear the school every time I hear the sound of a starting gun and the rhythm of feet on earth and track and in the roar of a crowd. I see it in the up and down, jumping rippling wave of football players moving from squishy AstroTurf to the heavens above, celebrating a victory. I see it in the up and down movement of a plastic fork moving from a sad styrofoam tray to a mouth sitting alone in the hallway at lunch, a movement stopped by the greeting of a friend. We live in an age defined by the internet and the ability to communicate with people on the other side of the globe. Just because the tip of a root moves forward does not mean it loses connection to everything from before, never forget that you are a part of these people. You are a part of the mycelium. You are my people. Thank you.
2: So good. So, uh, he gave that speech Friday night, and I made the mistake of going online to look up how many people had viewed it. And um, I spoke at graduation uh, seven years ago, and in three days, he has twice as many views as I do. <laughs> not that it matters, it's not a big deal, okay. whatever. Thank you so much, Paul, it are really good. It's really, really good. So the point of participation is that kind of transformation. Seeing yourself as a part of something bigger and belonging to something bigger. This is why God is calling us to serve him and doing it, he's calling us together because we we, we become a new people. We live with a new kind of abundant life, holding one another close without holding anyone close.
1: in your head loud enough to make you lose your mind just the same when you're dominating the day i want to be the one who's by your side you know my love is not the jealous type it doesn't matter if we win or lose i could stay or i could come no matter where you're coming from i could be the one to let you choose i want to hold you close but never hold you back just like the banks of the river and if you ever feel like you are not enough i'm gonna break all your mirrors i want to be there when the darkness closes in to make the truth a little clearer i want to hold you close and never hold you back i'll be the banks for the river A voice they can follow when the water and the winds get bad. You know my love is not the jealous type. It don't matter if we win or lose. I could push or I could pull, no matter what you're trying to do, as long as I can flow along with you. I wanna hold you close, but never hold you back, just like the banks to the river. And if you ever feel like you are not. closes in to make the truth a little clearer. I want to hold you close but never hold you back. I'll be the bank swearing.
2: Guys, beautiful. So, next week we are really going to um, start taking a deeper dive into the Gospel of John, and I am so excited about it. It's such a compelling story of the life of Jesus, it's an incredible account of his life. I just want to close with this it's from the Gospel of John. It's the first words that we have of Jesus ever recorded, it's recorded in chapter 1 of John. And I think it's a fitting way To begin our summer together Especially on this graduation Sunday This is what happens Two young people We know they were probably about the age Of a high school graduate Middle, late teens And they are curious about Jesus They're intrigued They're wondering And they begin to follow him As in, like, literally walk behind him And so Jesus stops And he turns around And I want you to take note. Of what God says first Because this is the beginning of everything He looks at him and he says What Do you want Isn't that fascinating Isn't God supposed to be Telling us what he wants But that isn't how it goes If God is showing up In our life asking what do you want Maybe it would be a good idea For us to consider Together What is worth wanting. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time in this place. We thank you for the opportunity to be together, and this morning especially, we want to lift up our um, 2022 graduates to you. So thankful for the ways that you have worked in their life and through their life, the way that you have enriched our community through their, through them, through their hearts, the gifts that you've given them to give. God, I pray that they would be a reminder to us and an inspiration to us to participate, to serve you in such a way that you really are serving us, knitting us together as a gracious community, how to embody your love and extend it into the world. God, I pray this morning that as we leave here, You would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. We'll see you next week.